Welcome back to The Daily Poem here on the Close Reads Podcast Network. I'm David Kern. Before we get to today's poem, I just want to remind everybody about our poetry contest for our younger listeners. Don't forget that you can memorize and recite at least eight lines of J.R.R. Tolkien's poetry. Remember to post your recitation on social media with hashtag Daily Poem, and we will choose winners from a couple of different age groups, and uh, the winners will receive some, some very special prizes, including some uh, beautiful books. So again, don't forget, at least eight lines of Tolkien's poetry with the hashtag Daily Poem on either Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Today's poem is by William Butler Yeats, who died on January 28th. And so this, of course, seems an appropriate time to read one of his poems. I've read a few different Yeats poems here on the show, but I haven't read this one, and this is certainly one of his more famous poems. This is called The Second Coming. It was written in 1919 and then published in 1920 in The Dial, and then afterwards in a 1921 collection. This is how it goes. Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming. Hardly are these words out when a vast image out of spiritus mundi troubles my sight. Somewhere in sands of the desert, a shape with lion body and the head of a man, a gaze blank and pitiless as the sun, is moving its slow thighs while all about it reel shadows of the indignant desert birds. The darkness drops again, but now I know that twenty centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle. And what rough beast, its hour come round at last, slouches towards Bethlehem to be born. If you've listened to previous episodes of The Daily Poem that covered Yeats's poetry, then you'll know that he was working uh, during the period, the World War I period, from the turn of the century until about 1939 when he passed away. And this poem, written in 1919, was of course written immediately at the end of World War I. And uh, as William Harmon notes in his anthology, The Hundred Greatest Poems, it was also at a time when there were many bloody conflicts in Ireland, Yeats's homeland. So all this catastrophe, all this drama, all this bloodshed, all this upheaval caused Yeats to reckon with what was going on in the world and inside of him, to wonder what was coming next, of course, as all people do during troubling times. Harmon notes that Yeats went back to the Bible. He went back to parts of the Bible that deal with the apocalypse, with the end of the world, and he suggests that this poem could also have been called Apocalypse Now. He mentions that Yeats went back to Daniel chapter 9, Matthew chapter 24, and all of the book of Revelation. And that like the book of Revelation and biblical prophecies, Yeats is putting his vision for the end of the world in the form of symbols, which, of course, that's the, the currency of poetry. But Yeats does it in a very particular fashion here. He mentions, Harmon mentions that the falcon and the desert birds resemble the eagles or vultures in Matthew twenty four twenty eight, and the rough beasts sound like the sphinx of Egypt on his way to Bethlehem for another birth. And Harmon notes that every war, every natural disaster, every difficult period in history tends to lead to this sort of poetry. 
starts to lead to the suggestion that the end of the world is at hand. And that's made in the 21st century and in the 20th century, this particular poem highly influential. Harmon notes that Norman Mailer quoted it and that multiple books of poetry have had the title slouching toward whatever it is. You know, fill in the blank, slouching towards Bethlehem here, but another book was called slouching towards Gomorrah, for example. But one of the things that I think has allowed Yeats to maintain his influence uh, 80 years after his death now is the way he was able to reckon with his age in a way that wasn't, it wasn't hopeless, but it also wasn't um, unrealistic. He recognized the troubling nature of the age. He recognized the catastrophes that were going on around him. And he didn't shy away from them. He tried to process them and understand them and figure out what they meant. But he doesn't come away, in my, in my view, he doesn't come away with a sense of hopelessness. Even though this particular poem seems hopeless, um, his other work, I, I, don't, I think, reveals a sense of hope. And tomorrow, I'm going to read one more in honor, of, in honor of the 80th anniversary of his passing. I'll read one more poem tomorrow by Yeats that I think points that out. But in the meantime, here once more is The Second Coming by Yeats. Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart, the center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world, the blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming. Hardly are those words out when a vast image of spiritus mundi troubles my sight. Somewhere in the sands of the desert, a shape with lion body and the head of a man, a gaze blank and pitiless as the sun, is moving its slow thighs, while all about it reel shadows of the indignant desert birds. The darkness drops again, but now I know the twenty centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle. And what rough beast, its hour come round at last, slouches towards Bethlehem to be born. This has been The Daily Poem. Thanks so much for listening. Be back tomorrow with another poem by William Pollard Yates. Thank you.